Welcome back to the Burning Phoenix podcast and our explorations into a new renaissance. And this week is going to be a little bit different. We just want to share with you an episode we made uh, yesterday, a recording with Professor Robert Louis Abrahamson about the sphere of Venus in Paradiso. And it's taken most of the week just to prepare this uh, that recording and also kind of going into the deep of the Italian, the original Italian. Uh, but we wanted to share it because it's very relevant to the Burning Phoenix and the idea of renaissance and rebirth, uh, especially when it comes to connecting with the transcendent, which is very much the, the, one of the main topics of Venus when we are transitioning out from the from the shadow of the earthly, the influence of the earthly, from first the moon and Mercury, and then moving towards kind of the full paradise and brightness of the sun and then beyond. So it's just like two things maybe that might be especially relevant is to first get an inner sense of this connection to the transcendent, which is then, again, very much in Venus, and then to keep asking questions and using your own doubts as that which will bring you upwards, like propel you upwards from colla in colla, as uh, Dante says, from hilltop to hilltop. And then further up to have a bigger understanding and then gradually regain this balanced view of the world with the earthly and the heavenly or the, the rational and the spiritual, with kind of then virtual and Beatrice in a sense, and unify this. So we'll be back uh, next week with the usual episodes. And uh, here is the conversation with Professor Abrahamson. Enjoy. Welcome back to the Dante's Paradiso podcast, A Journey Through the Spheres of Heaven with Richard Emerson. And today we're back for the third episode on Paradiso with English professor and also Dante podcaster, Robert Louis Abrahamson. Good morning. Good morning. So we're continuing today with the sphere of Venus, the third sphere, which is somewhat of a transitional sphere after the moon and Mercury and right before the entrance to what is often called the Paradiso proper with the sphere of the sun. And Venus is also the sphere of excessive love and we have a beginning and sort of a blending here now, more into the angelic realms and to the, the blessed souls uh, with higher levels of blessing. So maybe we're just going to start start out, right, go right ahead with an introduction. And maybe you would like to briefly outline Venus for us. That's because you don't want to. <laughs> it's <see>. complicated. <laughs> uh. I don't know. I will get caught and spend 20 minutes on the first uh, nine lines or something, but I'll try to do it more economically. Yeah. Um, I, I could just like say well, that it is a very messy sphere in some sense because it's there are so many aspects at once, but I think that reflects the idea of transition from the more earthly human, uh, like the, the based in the human in the, in the moon and the mercury, and then before we get to the more angelic, in the sun, so I think it's purposefully constructed a bit messy. You could say messy, but it is it is it is all a beautiful dance, and and uh, uh, it, it, all right, I'll pick up on that with the very opening here. The, uh, they come to Venus, and and these which we call them Venusian souls, uh, 
I've been having a great time up up in the up in the Imperium, dancing and around in circles as they all do. But wait a minute, we'll come down here to this new person mm. and dance with him. We're willing to to give up this lovely dance we're doing in order to see him, which will make we'll dance around him, and it will make us our love uh, stronger and brighter. Yes. And, uh, uh, so it looks it looks chaotic, but it it is all generated by love. And and by love meaning well we'll we'll see about love in a minute, but it is it is greater joy. Yes. And as we're told later on in the canto, um in heaven <laughs> I like this, in heaven uh, gr- greater joy is shown by becoming brighter. And, yes. and and we're watching these souls become brighter and brighter as we rise higher and higher. Whereas on earth, greater joy is by smiling or laughing, yes. which which we you and I are doing right now. Uh, and in hell, they grimace because the last thing they want is greater joy. Yeah. So you have to think about yourself and when your joy increases, are you smiling or are you more heavenly and and um, you feel like you're glowing yeah. or are you resentful? Oh, stop being so cheerful. <laughs> it's yeah. eight o'clock in the morning and then you know you're in hell. <laughs> yeah. And, and it even, I mean, it goes further with this, that the the souls in Inferno, they grow darker. Their shades grow even darker because of their, their state of mind. So, yeah. which is, well, anyway. yeah, something so, you can notice. So there we are. So I hope everybody listening is glowing. Yes, indeed. <laughs> and, uh, so Increasingly so. This soul that comes down, um, uh, they're sweeping down with the speed of light. Yeah. Now, the comparable people to them are the lustful in hell who are swept along out of control, but these souls sweep along consciously. They've made a conscious decision to come down and meet Dante. Mm. Um, and Francesca can't help but reply to Dante uh, in order to gain Dante's sympathy. Charles Martel volunteers to speak yes. in order to increase the general joy. Um, yes, indeed. And we have talked before about the the, um, um, the act of conjoining, conjunction, and this is what this is this is reaching a, you know a, a higher degree here, as we maybe mentioned. Um, so Charles Martel, who was, who was the, the first friend that Dante meets mm-hmm. in, in, in Paradiso, he didn't really, wasn't really friendly with Picarda, but he, he knew her. Um, and Martel, Martel died early and his brother took over the throne and wasn't a very good ruler. So the issue is, how can, how can um, a good father have, have a bad son? How can there be two brothers, one good, one bad? And we got a discussion of what we would call today genetics. Mm. And uh, we can talk more, more about that later, unless you want me to talk no, about it now. Yeah, well, um, I mean, we, could, we, could, uh, we can dive into the, to the conversation with Martello, I think. So just like for, for listeners, the overall, like you have this bright opening and you have three souls in this in this fair, which is Carlo Martello, Cunizza, and then Folchetto. And then Martello is the whole of, of Canto 8, and uh, it's a wide-ranging uh, conversation. So, uh, so yeah, let, let's dive into this part. Like, why are offspring different, uh, especially when it comes to virtue, than their parents? 
We don't know. No. <laughs> we don't know. That's, that's the answer. I mean, that's the way it goes. But um, they are different. And, and, and well, there is a purpose. Uh, that is, do you want everyone to be the same? Mm. You know, what kind of family life would you ha- have if, if all the kids were exactly alike? Yeah. Uh, and 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 then growing up, and you know, you get a family, and the family is made up of all these different kinds of people all together. And they, by extension, that's what a community is. Mm. And that's what a a country is. And that's what that's Dante's vision of the empire. Yeah. That it's one unit with all this, and that's what goes back to the to the to um, uh, who who said it in Mercury. Um, um, diversi voci fanno note dolce. Um, diverse voices make sweet music, and that, yeah. that's—I think that's that, that's important. But the more important thing, I think, is the way Charles Martel conducts his argument. He's not lecturing to Dante. He says it, it's back and forth, and there's conjoining, and there's dancing, and he says this is behind you. Now I'm going to make it come around to the front of you so you see what it's about. Yeah. And this, that's, I think, an important detail. Yeah. Um, well, the the begins with the idea that, that Venus, the planet, uh, woos the sun by going behind the sun and in front of the sun. And it is this dance. I guess it's some sort of, you know, um, Turkish um, belly dance or something. <laughs> Not Salome, but something that, 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 you're just enjoying this, but the important thing, and and this is a takeaway, okay, for the end of, of our discussion. But yeah. it is, it is, love goes back and front. It goes around, um, so that you can see all sides of it. Mm. And um, instead of saying, "Oh, well, he's a terrible person," you know what he did to you know to that sixteen-year-old. Go around him a little bit and yeah. see something else and get a full picture. Don't just attack one side. Like, well, you're not going to get it. Yeah. And so, well, so Bartel says, "Look, Dante, do you agree? <laughs> do you agree that 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 we should live in a community and it should be full of different people?" And Dante says, "Yes. Okay, we've made that step. Now, what about this next?" And he takes him. He's playing with him, yeah. and and this is a very playful. I mean, love is playful, and as opposed to the pagan idea of love, which is just compulsive, erotic impulses, mm. uh, and, uh, and and that's that's an important distinction that is sort of dramatized in these two cantos. Yeah. So I mean, uh, several things there at once. I mean, one is that uh, the angelical beings force Venus is the principalities. So they are the spirits of of territory, peoples, nations, and there's so many. You have these laundry lists in in this fair about uh, geographical descriptions of different territories yeah. and the rulers. So there's a lot of um, bad examples of of like human fallibility and and kind of viceful uh, rulers, but it's all embedded in this overall brightness and love of Venus. So it, it has this this uh, contrast um, effect in Venus, which we pointed to there with, with Martello as well. Um, so, so that's kind of the overall, uh, one overall idea. But the other one there is, uh, it's fascinating how this question about the siblings, as everybody could, could see that siblings are obviously different, <laughs> that that's the entrance point to this huge uh, explication of the telos of the cosmos and down to, like you pointed to there with, 
the community needs a variety of people. And if the children were exactly like their parents, you would get, <laughs> like the baker would have five baker children and the lawyer would have five lawyer children. And then you would lose the necessary variety. So it's so fascinating, I think, how Dante starts with the purpose of the community is what shapes kind of the gen genetics and the biology that children become different. Or put it differently, if the children had been carbon copies of their, <laughs> of their parents, uh, those tribes would not survive. That's kind of... So, so there's the problem, because you not only have to um, um, perceive your nature that is different from your siblings or your parents or the people next door even, but then, and this is the real problem, you've got to find a role for yourself in life. Yeah. And, uh, and that role has to match your nature. Yeah. So that, you know, uh, the problem here is... Uh, I mean, you can't help Charles Martel dying. You know, that happens. Mm. Now what? And his brother Louis, who was perhaps more suitable to ruling, but he went into a monastery. Yeah. Uh, and and that and there's no real commentary that that was the wrong choice, but it seems to be because the next brother, yeah. who was a scholar, then then once he got got into power, became stingy. And and just did not rule properly. He shouldn't have been in that job. Exactly. I, I don't know. I don't know what you do when you've got hereditary uh, rulers. Yeah. Uh, the next one has to take over, whether he's he's capable or not, which is the real problem about hereditary positions. Exactly. But um, uh, so there's a. You know, it's almost like okay, parents, <laughs> <laughs> look at notice what your kids are like and don't force them into jobs where they can't handle it. Yeah, it's so forceful. I mean, I remember first time reading Paradiso with the English one and uh, the end of, of uh, Martello's speech there where he says, like, if you if you don't follow your nature, you will end up on roads that are not made for you. And I thought this is such a... Uh, this could hit really hard for some people, I think, who are kind of in the middle of their lives, for example, and they have cho <laughs> chosen wrong path and and they just know that they're not living the life they should do so um well in some so, ways in some ways that explains evil yeah i mean you know evil is is choosing the wrong thing mm. but there's a sense here that if you're in the if you're in a, a role that does not that does not fit your nature you're on your path to um to, to making wrong choices yeah i mean it creates distortion for sure <laughs> like Constantly, okay. Okay. distortion distorts your vision, yeah. and vision is what is what enables you to make the right choices. Yeah. Well, so I think it's, uh, so. His his uh, brother Roberto, who's a bad ruler, had talents to be uh, um, a priest instead. So he should have gone the spiritual path. But yeah. the talents for for the spiritual path could be hor horrible or <laughs> very damaging in a power ruling position instead. So, well, look uh, at Pope Boniface VIII, who yeah. had great, great abilities as, as a ruler, yeah. but he ends up in a spiritual position, which is where he shouldn't have been. Yeah. It's just, it's such a, that topic speaks, it's so timeless. It speaks to everybody, like today, if you're in your early 20s, you're trying to figure out your life, or if you're in like middle age, you want to reassess your life. It's, it's... Um, something that could have very practical uh, consequences and wisdom right now. Well, I think that's why people go to therapy in a way, because yeah. therapy is there to help you understand your nature. Yeah. 
so that you can make better choices. Yeah. I mean, it's, um, yeah, there's also, there's also something Greek in this as well. Like your, your, your biggest talents, if you, if you don't use them the right way, they can become your biggest enemies. Because everything yeah. again, the distortion would just be everywhere. It's just <laughs> it just percolates and perpetuates in every direction. So, and but the main thing is it destroys community. Yeah, and, and that's what it's all about. Yeah, how can you dance if if you if you know if you're a good if you're a good samba dancer, but they throw you into a slow dance, you can't do it. You've got to dance the dance that you're good at. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's stupid, but all right. Yeah, but it's so, so true. <laughs> we can go to Canto Nine. Mm -hmm. Uh, which just, uh, just, uh, I just want to kind of slide in one more thing with uh, Matero's uh, conversation, where he says, uh, I mean, he, so he connects this with the telos of the community, which is that because you need healthy communities to have a healthy society and a healthy humanity that can align with the divine truths, and thereby having a like that humanity can contribute in a positive way to the cosmos as well. So he, he connects it all the way from the highest to to then again how why siblings are different or for, uh, why offspring are different from their parents um but then there's also the, there's a joyfulness in the pilgrim at the end there of the conversation and then martello says that he can see the joy directly in god he sees and this is like such a threshold in the journey i think because suddenly the pilgrim is it's not just him beatrice and the divine but he's suddenly connected to other blessed souls so the spiritual dimension is suddenly yeah, yeah. expanding a lot. By the way, um, in, uh, on the planet, on the sphere of Venus, Beatrice does not speak at all. Mm, true, um, yeah. And, 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 and she is the epitome of love, right? But I think that, I mean, um, she's smiling and following the whole thing, of course, and he looks at her. But in yes. a way, um, love love it, as she's representing it is a presence it doesn't have to speak it's yeah. there the whole time glowing brighter and it's, brighter it's a um, great point she she only gives him two very firm kind of signs of approval before yeah. he starts talking but yeah but and, but it it's so interesting the dynamic between the pilgrim and the and the souls because he's increasingly kind of testing and transgressing his own boundaries because first with Martello, he's very sideways. He's, he takes the position of a learner, like to somebody who knows more, but he's, he's not like he is with Picarda where he has this very lofty opening. It's more like uh, he just wants to have yeah, a conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then with, yeah, yeah but with Kunitsa, he's suddenly, uh, well, he's testing her and saying, well, prove to me that you can read my thoughts. And he goes even well, further with yeah. Folketto. He says, like, why haven't you already started answering me? Because I know you can read my thoughts and I wouldn't, <laughs> I wouldn't wait answering the thoughts if I could read somebody else's thoughts. So there's a, there's a strange thing there at the same time as Beatrice is giving him approval. Well, uh, no, I think that is, that, that's one of the great moments in the Paradiso. So the, those two, those two exchanges, mm -hmm. um, um, Dante's he's learned how to, how to tease. Yeah. He's learned how to play, and and, um, uh, and uh, but it is what it is is merging, mm. and in a, in a sense, it's an erotic, penetrative love, non-sexual penetration. I mean, yeah. Yeah. This, is, this is you know, I mean, on the basis level, love is is penetration. 
physical penetration, but on the higher levels, it is sort of you know, merging of identities. Mm-hmm. And um, he says he says to Kunitsa, um, show me that you can indeed read my mind by answering the question I'm thinking of. So it's like, you could say it's a test, but it's a tease. Oh, yeah? Let's see. Come on. you. Play. But yeah. what he's saying is, come into me. Yeah. Enter into me. Um, and so you show to me what I am thinking because you are seeing what I am asking back and forth, back and forth. That's a dance, but it's also penetration. Exactly. And then even even um, uh, more daring and more teasing, um, I would already have answered your questions if I were conjoined, if I were conjoined to me as you are conjoined to me, mm. If I could in you me as you can in me you, I, I mean that's that, that they're whirling around in this dance so fast you can't follow it. Yeah. But it, 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 so so you know the 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 divine soul wants to wants to merge with you, but you have to consent. You, uh, otherwise, you know, they can't get into you. So he, he is basically saying, come on into me. You know, I open to you, yeah. and, 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 and I know you can, so now let's see if you do it. And, and uh, so you, yeah. you didn't but, just say that it's a very daring thing. This is incredibly daring of Dante, and he also creates new words here. Yeah, so, I was about to say <laughs> this in me and, yeah. Yeah. He has about what was 15, 16 uh, new words, I think. And most of them are in Paradiso that he's, yeah, he's inventing yeah. words. Um, yeah, there, there's also, I think, something about that he, like, it's a bit shocking when he suddenly connects with other souls through the divine directly uh, with Martello. So he's kind of, uh, he's a bit confused and kind of just fumbling to orient himself anew that, Oh, I'm meeting these souls, but I don't have to stand here and ask them questions and transfer kind of the words. They are connected like, already directly with the soul in the spiritual. So he's, uh, I, I still see it as a little bit that he's, um, he's, uh, he, he didn't have to say to Folketto that, uh, like this, that he's accusing him a little bit for not having done it. So he could have been more gentle, but I, I also think that's a part of, because if you see how they are responding, like Kunitsa, like they they don't address his his kind of daring or teasing or or challenging tone, they just give an answer. But in a very yeah, they, they shift it higher. Like Kunitsa just starts telling, uh, giving him an answer to his question, which is then as usual, who are you and why are you in this sphere? Um, and then she ends it with just like, and by the way, this comes from the thrones, like the third highest level of the sphere. Like what I'm saying is just, I'm just channeling the truth from the thrones. And <laughs> she really parks it like very firmly and gently as well. Well, it's, um, yeah, yeah. In, in, in a way, God, God, and we find this out more and more as we rise higher, God knows everything. Mm-hmm. God sees it. And in a sense, if you've got an eternal vision, you can. You know, it's like we can we read this book and we know everything in the book, even though we're at this moment. You know, it, so, uh, so, it, so if you've got your eyes on God, and that's important because Martel looks up to the sun, yeah. and, and and Beatrice looks, and you, we must look look to that because then we can see into the mind of God. Not entirely, but what we do see is 
everyone else's thoughts are also in God's mind. So it, it, we can, you know, look in the index and yeah. find Dante's thoughts at the moment, his question, and then we can know what it is. Um, well, well, if because you... I am, because I or he, you are in heaven and you are in himed. That's yeah. another um, made up word. You're in himed with God. So, you know, um, now, but I, it's interesting because I think that you're reading it a little differently from me because um, I see it as a teasing game, and you're little. You're seeing it as a little bit more of Dante being confused, or sort of, sort of, um, not reprimanding, but um, but challenging. Um, yes, and and the fact that they don't they don't meet him at his level. I mean, it's even more with Folketto because he's he's then challenged, like, why haven't you answered me already? And then Folketto just starts with almost something like the creation story in Genesis. He just starts talking about the valley of the Mediterranean, which was filled with water. And, and he goes very, uh, he, he changes the, the, the level of conversation instead of this uh, direct... Monk, Good, like, or personal. It's also Kunitsa is, is a little bit impersonal in the way she's responding. Like she's not connecting with him in that sense. And I, I take that as a, as, a, as a guiding of him in terms of how he should um, uh, just getting used to this new level. I mean, the pilgrim is also growing very fast. So he's uh, kind of finding his bearings anew, I would say. But again, he is, um, Beatrice is giving him the, the approval of this. So yeah, I, I still see it as a, a part of this transition from from the earthly to the more angelic, and then that there's a little bit of a, a new, um, let's say, uh, like adapting for the pilgrim. Yeah. Okay. There we are. Mm. But again, the beauty okay. is like you can you can interpret this in so many ways. But it, it, that little dynamic with those the two last souls did uh, I spent a lot of time trying to figure out why exactly does he push so hard and why do they respond in the way they do good yeah mm. yeah and you know that's what you get in a, in a piece of literature there's no explanation it's up to us yeah that's what makes it come alive you know we've got yeah so um, and, and also uh, one more thing what you said before um this i mean the, this is a fundamental idea here that the divine is the truth so the more you understand the truth and the spiritual truth you will find the same truth as the other ones so this increasing um communion with the divine will give you a, a common kind of reference frame <laughs> uh which would be that and then you can more align with the other ones and you can also see the obvious next questions and doubts often that other people will have but well, you know it's, all right so you put it like that and, my god he heaven sounds so dull so i know everything now yeah. what you know, what am I going to do with myself? I know everything. But the point is, I mean, it's not stated, but it is implied in the poem. If I know, if I know all the truths, then I know the truth about you, mm -hmm. which is different from the truth about me and different about the truth from that person over there and there and there. So I know how we're, I know how we're all different. And, and that's where the dance comes. Yeah. Because, because we are exchanging our differences, and that, which is what a dance is. How about that for a definition? Dance is exchanging differences. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's great. Yeah, but maybe you can think of like, well, some of the fundamentals are, you know, timeless and fixed, but you also have a richness of variety and movement yeah. constantly. So this is uh, sometimes I'm thinking this is part of the overall cosmology of Dante and and also I guess old Catholic theology is that 
the overall framework is in a sense, I wouldn't use the word static, but that is kind of set. And then yeah. within that, you have an, a constant eternal enrichment, which is kind of what yeah. we are experiencing on, on yeah. in the earthly. <laughs> I mean, you know, it was. <coughs> I won't. I won't be specific about this, mm-hmm. but I, I, I sat in on some um, Zoom meeting on Dickens from New York last week, and um, it was chaotic. There was no. There was no structure mm. and um and it was like so what do you what, what wait a minute i wait i'm on the, am I on the right page and the, oh it was it was and, uh, and then on monday we had our, our cambridge dickens fellowship which had a structure yeah uh, and although you know all these different people with all these different views making their points making their points it was all done within the structure so that we were yeah. dancing with this um, in a very loving way, and even people who disagreed, and even if they disagreed, no, I think I don't agree with that at all. They're still doing it in a sociable way, mm. and that's the dance that we get here. Yeah, uh, and but still, the you know conjoining, conjoining, conjoining has got to be um, yeah. you know the the the, the basic theme. Really. Yeah, uh, yeah, and it's a great point with. Um... Like again, when they are the souls are suddenly dancing with the principalities, like they're dancing with the angels of this this sphere. So you have like it's it's coming together, but and the conjoining with with the with the angels and the blessed spirits, and also now the the pilgrim increasingly. I mean, he's yeah. he's he's very much he's getting closer to them. If you think compared to to Picarda, and especially his opening <laughs> opening address to Picarda, which is so humorous because it's so. Like the indifference, and he's so servile, and it's he's, so earthy. yeah. Earthy. <laughs> and she just she's so kind of friendly back. <laughs> it's like it's okay, I can help you. I want to help you because it it makes me happy. Maybe that's well. why it's got to be a, somebody, you know, the younger sister of your friend. I'll help you. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. She's just a great symbol of the first blessed soul of the whole paradiso yeah. as a, as the yeah. kind of the the opening welcoming person or like the spirit. So. So we've got we've got to deal with um, Kunitsa. Yes, that is. Well, no, Kunitsa. we want to talk about that that odd opening in Canto Nine, where Dante talks to somebody called Clemenza about yeah. your Charles. I'm not sure if that's Martel's wife or his daughter. It doesn't matter. Not yeah, really. But there's a lot of predictions around here. Yes. Um, and what does love have to do with predictions? Uh, but that's that, that's a question that should arise in us, and uh, I'm not sure. Um, don't worry, things are going to be really bad for you, but don't worry, they'll, they'll be punished at some point. What kind of consolation is that? <laughs> you know, um, um, you know, they're going to throw you in prison, but don't worry, it'll be you know, um, in, in twenty years or so, they'll decide they'll, they'll discover that it was a false. Thanks, but I'm spending 20 years in prison, for goodness sake. What? So, yeah. And I think what happens is that, is, is that these are personal problems. Mm-hmm. But if you look at them, if love allows you to look, as you're looking at the sun, looking at, 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 at the, the, you know, all knowledge and all, then like, like Justinian's sweeping history of European um, culture, 
if you see it like that, you know, you can see the divine hand is working, even if it's not looking so good for you personally at this moment or even in the next 10 years. Yeah. Um, and, and, but it is funny that Dante is so sure that all these people are going to be punished. And the only way they've been punished, as far as we know, is that they all died yeah. <laughs> 700 years ago. There's a, there's a, like underlying, you have the, the idea of mercy and justice kind of very much here. And it's partly explicit as well. Um, yeah, that they will, it's back to this consequence idea, I guess, to some extent. Um, but also like these, like Kunitsa and Folketto are both very happy about the mercy uh, that they have been shown and the forgiveness because they were then very much into the more excessive <laughs> love in their early lives. And then they changed and then they are they are happy to be in paradise and not in inferno and then in fact she says she says i i'm grateful for all those sins yeah true and that's because having gone through the river of of lethe she can't remember them uh, 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 she can't feel guilt for them anymore that kind of guilt yeah, away exactly although she can still remember what she did um but she sees them in a positive way so that so that all those things I did led me to where I ended up. Yes. You know, this uh, it's, might be a little bit on the side of Dante himself as a person. His three main vices were pride and um and and yeah, pride and wrath and lust, he said himself. So he's it might be something about the, the way he talks about. Uh, the lustful both in inferno and despair that he has some uh like in his own life that he sees that he turned that into something positive you think so yeah he wrote this poem <laughs> yeah yeah well for sure yeah that's a very good point i mean because uh so martello was a young prince uh he would have uh, become king of hungary provence uh south of italy and sicily but then he died at 24 from a plague. And so he met with Dante. So they were kind of friends, it seems like. Dante was 29, he was 24. Um, but this idea that had Martello lived longer, Dante's whole life would have been very different, as, as Dante kind of says explicitly. So, but then he wouldn't have written the Divine Comedy. <laughs> so That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. Well, maybe. But yes, indeed, indeed, indeed. Yes, so you yeah, said so, uh, Kunitsa, and uh, yeah, you had one point in your one of your episodes that Dante was 14, 15 when she died, and that you have some biographical info. Did you remember that? Um, she, she lived with Cavalcanti or something, so there was like something like a. Yeah, she lived. She she um she lived with. He, if he didn't know her, at least he knew he, the families that he knew um, had taken her in and she lived with them for a bit and so hmm. so it, we all have people like that in our lives i think you know that you know my great aunt whom i must have met when i was you know four or five years old but i just remember this great presence or something but people are hmm. still talking about her yeah. and so so yeah so so but she was you know, in a sense infamous and then famous because she was what what, what which shocks me is this casual remark she says, "Oh yes, when I turned my life around, um, I freed the family slaves." Mm. What? What? Where do we ever hear about Florentines having slaves? But uh, you know, this is the kind of remark that reveals or, or hints at all sorts of cultural things that we didn't occur. And how many slaves 
are all her servants slaves? Anyway, mm. um, she congratulates herself for that. And she worked with the poor for 14 years, which is great. Yes. Yep. And then she also then uh, she lists a lot of uh, territories. Her brother was a horrible ruler. And then she mentions other bad rulers. Yeah, he's in the inferno. And, and so, we, you know, we're always getting these little stabbing references to inferno as we go along through heaven. Mm. It's not like there are three separate places, you see. And uh, th- this takes us back, which I think, I think, I think pervades the whole, the whole sphere, is that distinction um, between the two kinds of passion that we get in the very beginning of Canto 8. Um, the pagans got it wrong, he says, yeah. including Virgil, by the way. Mm. Um, and he corrects, sort of corrects Virgil. <clears throat> they they called um, um, Venus and, and um, um, Cupid and Dione as, as the goddesses and god of love, as though all three are like this, the same, but we know that if they're related, they're going to be different, because we just heard that from Martel. Mm. But... Um, uh, that's that's that that compulsive, passionate love, which presumably Kunitsa um, engaged in because she had all these husbands and lovers. Though, though we might today be more inclined to see this as her way of protecting herself in this awful society. You need the protection of a man. Mm. But maybe you don't, because afterwards, in the last 14 years, she worked without a man's protection. She moved beyond that kind of impulsive, passionate love, I need you, I need you, I need you, to the love that says, I'm going around you from back to front to back to front, and I see your needs, and I'm going to help you. Mm. Uh, so uh, we think, you see, this is the uh, midlife nomad. So this is, this is the, the, the midlife crisis where you move from the first half to the second half of life. And and Fulcato does the same thing. He says, well, my hair was getting gray and things. What he means is he wasn't up to it anymore. You know, he, mm-hmm. he couldn't be this great lover. So he says, well, hmm, I better turn around. And, and, and that's the way we're meant to be, you see. Uh, but if you go back to Ulysses uh, in the Inferno, and he... He, he's getting old, but he says, we're still going to go after more stuff. We're yeah. going to go on like we're 30 years old. And uh, uh, and, and it, he goes too far, uh, unrestrained, and he and he suffers. And Guido da Montefeltro <laughs> goes one better. He says, okay, you know, I realized it's the middle of my life, time to change my life. I'm going to go to hell if I keep on like this. So I know what, I'll become a Franciscan, and then I won't go to hell because I've got the passport. Hmm. And that's that's the passport is in your heart. It's not on this this sort of robes that you're wearing. And he got it all wrong too. Uh, but these are two people who got it right. And it is it is it is a, um, a sort of a shift around of of one passion, one kind of love to another kind of love. Hmm. Yeah. So that is a great point. And that, and that is a big takeaway of this of of, of, the, of Venus. I think is this. Is is the shift from the one to the other kind of love? I mean, this is the, uh, Ulysses in Inferno is is one of the strongest stories I think of how he he goes on this journey with with on his boat to capture all of knowledge, but it is done through intellectual pride. So he sees the island of purgatory as kind of the spiritual life, 
but he rejects it. So then the storm comes and, and the boat goes three, <laughs> three times around and sinks into the deep. So it's his own stubbornness and his own pride that stops him from changing and from this one type of kind of flow to the other, as you, as you mentioned here. He thinks, so, he thinks you can gain all knowledge by um, um, traveling around the world and seeing what there is by experience. Okay, and that's interesting. He thinks you get knowledge by experience. We learn, we learn here that you, you gain all knowledge how? By looking up. Yeah. You see, or by looking at Beatrice. And Beatrice is, it stands for, if you want to say it like that, stands for that, that person or that book or that experience in your life that is your divine inspiration. And you keep going, going maybe Dante is your Beatrice, and you keep yeah. not, not looking at your experience so much as looking at what is said, how does Dante put it, and how does that enlighten the experience for me so I can see the truth in it? So, how, so you look at Beatrice's eyes, and she says yes, and she encourages him, she's right by his side, so he can engage with these souls here. Um, he couldn't do it on his own. He has to keep looking at her the same way that that Martello looks up at the sun, yeah. and Ulysses doesn't. <laughs> yeah, well, it is one of those things in the first chapter of Purgatorio that, like, you need humility. Like, you you have to have an attitude of humility and open your mind and and receive things to to move beyond you know, the world of Ulysses there. But it is interesting, like how uh, like curiosity and, in a sense, searching for knowledge is very much driving the pilgrim also in paradiso is very much encouraged yeah. but it but it's a different it's not a prideful uh, search for knowledge no his eyes is, 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 is not at all his, mm. his his eyes well there is that moment in, in the inferno when with with the bloody swords of discord um or even at the last bit with with Maestro Adamo and Sinon, where Dante is looking and looking, fascinated by this sort of nonsense and this, and 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 Virgil says, "If you don't move away from this, yeah. uh, I'm going to be cross at you because Dante is getting too absorbed." It, it, and no, no, and, and Virgil's job is always to say, "Come on, come on, we, no, we're not going to talk to that. We're not going to talk to the pusillanimity because there's nothing to do. Non ragionium, and uh, we're going on and on and on." But the times when he wants to learn something. And Virgil says, "Yes, of course you can talk." And Beatrice says, "Yes, of course you can." Mm. Uh, but, and uh, and then, of course, we'll, not, we'll jump ahead for a minute at the <laughs> towards the end of the Paradiso. Then he's got this exam, this three-part exam to see to see if he's qualified to pass further. Yeah, and the fixed stars, the, the, the theological the virtues. Time. Yeah, define. The whole comedy is a court, is like a, a, a university course. Well, but but it is. Um, uh, I don't want to use the word self help book because it's so much bigger. No, but it is, a, it it is teaching you how to think about things, and it teaching you a whole new cosmology step by step. It takes you on a journey through from the dark forest to a more like a state of happiness or. To, all the way through to the, you know, the, the communion with the divine. So it's yeah. uh, it is there's a ped- pedagogical uh, aspect that is just incredibly brilliant in how he does this. Can you imagine a book that does that? I mean, and you see, you know, it, in the standard, I think it's sort of standard in medieval poetry, like this. It would begin by saying, um, 
Um, I was walking in the woods in springtime one day and grew weary and sat down by a tree and fell asleep and I dreamed this. And the rest of the book is his dream. Yeah. It's like Alice in Wonderland too. Uh, but but Dante doesn't say doesn't say he had this as a dream. He says he woke up and he had all this stuff. So it's it's it is even closer to a true experience. Mm. There's nothing. Of, but on the other hand, we all know it's fiction. <laughs> you know, he didn't really get to heaven like that. You know, this is it's fictional. Um, it's true. It is though, like in the spiritual sense, when he says, like I, I mean, this is the second Thursday. Like I've. I've been to the highest heavens and seen things. I think it's, at least in part, he's referring to his own spiritual experiences through deep prayer, maybe mystical experiences, that he's trying to some extent to you know, express through through the poetry here. So, of course, it's not, it didn't physically happen, but... Uh, but I, I think he's, uh, this is a bit on the side again, but I think he's uh, underestimated us as, as a bit of a mystic. I think he was much deeper into prayer and spiritual experiences than than is commonly thought of today, at least in a more like secular sense. Wait, so in what way is that underestimating us? You know, underestimating us, underestimating our no, no, understanding no, of what he's doing? Uh, more like in general, like the, the this uh, how he's seen in terms of, let's say, literature history. That oh, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. it's from that perspective, it's underestimated that he's actually uh, he's a very religious person and he has deep mystical insights. It seems like in his personal life that he's that is you know is is animating and and fueling this whole poem and that he's trying to express this. You remind me of, of many many years ago. I was standing at a bar in some pub or something, I think, with a friend who was a Church of England priest. Mm -hmm. And he'd done English at university. Um, and, and he said, so, so Robert Louis, do you, do you, um, do you think Dante was a mystic? Uh, and I said, yeah, of course. Mm. Yes, of course. Um, <laughs> I didn't think any more about it. I just, yeah, sure, why not? Of course. But, you know, the more you think about it, the more you learn what a mystic is. But a mystic is is someone who's who breaks down the divisions between um, hu human and divine, or penetrates them, or yeah. conjoins with. Mystic conjoins with the divine, mm. and uh, and you get a vision from that. And that's, as we know, as we're saying, well, it permeates the whole thing. Yeah, I mean, you just connected this to the whole, the whole, <laughs> the whole work, which is deification. It is uh, uh, theosis, which is the conjoining to the fullest and dissolving, as it does on the last page, with the divine. So it's, it's this gradual step. But, but also, like when you say that, like uh, the, what the mystic does there, is, I think this is what is starting to happening to happen in Venus. Like you have the two first ones are very much yeah. earthly hum humanity, and then now. We are trans transgressing these boundaries of the human into the angelic, and then things are starting to change. So we have to reorient ourselves again. At the so, same time, the, 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 these two cantos, especially nine, it's full of full of eyes on earth and all the things that are wrong on yeah. earth. And I have a sense that that's almost like a purgation. I mean, like so, the first three spheres are in in the shadow of the earthly or influenced by the earthly still. And yeah. now we're almost at the end. So it's, it's this kind of, you're just listing it all. You have this laundry list, just getting it all out there. 
all the fallibility, all the vicefulness. Yeah, but it does happen later on too. I mean, the, know, the church is Dominicans. <laughs> the, the popes yeah. are all. <laughs> he never ends with the popes. I think this is even the last words of Beatrice. Is a little dig at Boniface. So yes, it is a face dream. <laughs> yeah. So, but but in in general, like this. Um, uh, that is this contrast again like we're leaving the earthly we're getting into the sun kind of the much more angelical divine and then he just like makes the point of of the contrast i think no see we also do you think when he was on on, on the moon he could see the, the, the figures who they, they appearing almost like like shadows or something but he could make out figures yeah. and he could still do that in mercury can he see these these people as figures i i can he recognize charles martel because i'm yeah that's my that's your face just like it used to be or is it or they just light it's yeah because later on they just become points of light but mm. here there's they're not quite so they're I yes. think. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I th- so that's almost a little bit then that the souls are now becoming more angelical. The blessed well, souls are more... Let's, uh, look, let's look at that for a second because the beginning of eight, and I'm going to do it in English in um, in, in the... Um, so think about, you know, how they introduce each other as well. So um, how... Like Kunitsa mentions Folketto and then Folketto mentions Rahab as well. So there's more... Like interconnections there. No, it goes uh, like this. There's like, a dance here that it goes. It goes Kunetsa, Folco, Kunetsa, Folco, Dante, Folco, Rahab, Folco. It's 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 almost like yeah. some sort of square dance. We're going down the line. They're not. Uh, no one's taking prominence. We're just all sharing each other. Yeah. Now that that was prefigured in in Purgatorio in the in, in Pride when. Oh yeah, well, not 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 just me. Look at him over there. He's even better than I am. And uh, yeah. so you're you're always showing you someone who's better and, and someone someone else. Yeah, here, I mean, in the beginning of in the beginning of eight, um, as this is when the souls come down to to see Dante, as one sees a spark within a flame, or hears within a song a second voice holding its note while the other comes and goes. So I saw within that light still other lights, swifter and slower in their circling motions. It seemed in measure to their inner sight, mm. so that uh, it's almost completely unpicturable. We can't imagine what he's talking about, frankly. I think, but um, a spark within a flame. Have you ever seen that? I don't know what he's talking about, frankly. But yeah, well, um, I guess if you look at the fireplace, you can see the flames, and then suddenly you see this more intense little little spark flying through, for example. Like that's that's how I I visualize it. <laughs> Anyways, um, we we get this more and more as we go higher up. But but how individual souls here interplay with each other to form a larger unit, like when they all form yeah. an eagle, for example, yeah, yeah. the cross. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, and there's something about the you know the ego is shrinking gradually. There's less and less ego in this. There's no ego. There's yeah. no ego. So, so, no ego. The ego was washed away in 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 Lethe. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. So it's just well, like look, o- overflowing of the of the divine. We have to talk a minute about Rahab, I guess. Yeah. So I mean, so so after Kanitza, you get you get Folketto. So he was a poet in his first and and a lover 
in his in the first part of his life until his his hair changes, as it says, and then he becomes a, a spiritual person and a bishop of Toulouse. Uh, uh, so uh, yeah, and he he talks about Rahab. He he starts his whole presentation of himself with like I said earlier, like a kind of a creation story almost about how the Mediterranean is just an empty valley that is filled with water. And then he talks about how the sun is rising and kind of seen like he just stretches out the whole kind of world map uh, at the time. Uh, and then he places himself right between like in in Italy and in Spain, which then is Marseille in France. Um and uh, and yeah, and he's very he expresses gratitude for providence and the divine mercy. And then he starts talking about Rahab. So I found that very interesting, like that he is, um, is uh, kind of invoking, in a sense, here Rahab and her story. Yeah, it's not what you expect to find here, but uh, why not? Yeah, well, so 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 this was a surprise for me this time, like going deep into it, because now we're almost at the cusp of getting into the sun, like in the middle third of the of the whole uh, book and leaving the earthly behind. I one could have expected another mystical experience with just like colors and dazzling light <laughs> and, and harmonies, but he firmly brings in the biblical, like first with Rahab as then the one who enabled uh, the entrance into the promised land, into the holy land. And then he talks about uh, the Annunciation with Gabriel, who then talks about like the, the, <laughs> the, the, the newer biblical stories and, and the coming of Christ also. So he... Dante is incredibly, in my view, firm here in grounding our entrance into the sun as something biblical rather than something purely spiritual or mystical. Do you think that's a, that's a no, part I of it? No, I don't, I don't think he would have seen that distinction at all. True, like he wouldn't, but as a modern reader, there might be a modern difference. Modern readers, yes, of course. Yeah. Of course, of course. So, but there's but but no, a kind of, I, I think that's... There might be uh, something about a humility there that is not Dante's mystical, personal, spiritual experiences that takes center stage when now we're kind of at the threshold into the sun. It is firmly the biblical. Like he's, there's a, I just see a form of humility there that that is yeah, the bigger also, scale. They also, um, uh, <laughs> um, Forgetto, you call him the Italian name, fine. Um, Brings in the three myths of Dido and Phyllis and Hercules. Yeah. So, so the, the, that's part of it too. And um, you know, that's a mis- that's that's a, not mystical but mystifying part of the canto. That I mean, what are they doing there? Dido gave in and betrayed her husband, and Aeneas betrayed his dead wife, <clears throat> and she died. Okay. It wasn't really her fault. She was entranced by Cupid and Venus. Yeah, but she could have resisted like Picarda, or who didn't. It's uh, so Phyllis was jilted at the altar and she killed herself. She had no erotic activity, but she saw nothing in life if she was deprived of it. And Hercules loved someone else, betrayed his wife, but that led to his death. So that, so that all of these people were sort of impelled by the wrong kind of passion mm. and died. And I think that's what um, Foketto says is, I was on the path to dying, which is in fact what Dante was in the in the dark wood, and I turned around. So he becomes a sort of a model of of what Dante is doing in the whole poem. But you know, but then to jump to Rahab, yeah, 
If you see, if you asked some fundamentalist today, <clears throat> you mentioned Rahab, they wouldn't know what you're talking about, because it's a fundamentalist knows very well knows only certain parts of the Bible, and Rahab is probably you know the Book of Joshua is not the major evangelical um, book. Yeah, good point. Yeah. So, but I mean, and just listen to that. I mean, so the 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 books of Moses, the the Torah ends with just seeing the promised land and Moses dies. And then the books afterwards, you get the entrance into it. And then she is, is an instrumental for hiding some spies and then making it possible so that Joshua can enter into it. So uh, I just see the connection to this entrance there, like as, um, as what, what is about to happen with you us know, now. Yeah. And, and but I, I also love the way what you said with Foketto and those... Um, Greek and and uh, Roman references, let's say, with Virgil, like is is the closing argument for Folketto about the like as a warning, like this is not. <laughs> yeah, no, this, yeah, yeah, yeah. So oh, we like the Greeks, the Romans. Yes, yeah. we, we heard that at the beginning. Yes. <laughs> but, but now yeah. Rahab, Rahab, um, uh, uh, took them in because this is, I think, very important. She saw that God was on their side, or rather, they were they were on God's side. Mm-hmm. Now, somehow, she saw that, and she knew that that these are the people that need to be helped. And in another sense, as a prostitute, she was an outsider. Okay, so being an outsider enabled her to to see, maybe to look as we, in these terms, look at the sun to see, or to see Justinian's vision of the movement. Of, of God through history. She could perceive God in history, mm. is the point. And so she welcomed them in. And that's, I guess that's why she is the first one, we're told, to be to be released from limbo um, uh, in the Passion. Yes. And it also <laughs> gives Dante a chance to make another hit at Boniface VIII, because Joshua is contrasted with Boniface VIII. Um, yeah. who's fighting in the wrong place. Joshua fought in the Holy Land. The Pope's fighting in Italy, for goodness sake. You're not supposed to be doing that. So, mm. uh, yeah, it's, it's very strong here. And again, Florence is kind of is planted by <laughs> by Lucifer, like the, the evils in Florence. So he, um, uh, yeah. I, I see that again as a bit of this purgation to the end there. But um, And the, the contrasting, like we have, have Venus, we have love, we have like higher levels of angelical beings, and then, and then you see Boniface as just that. Now, the, now, now, I love this business. That the clergy, the the, the clergy, Pocato um, says, they're pouring over canonical law. Uh, yeah. They're looking at the letter of the law. They're saying, oh, you know, we can take this this line here and make it illegal to. Yeah get married unless you pay the priest you know a certain amount of money so then if yeah. they don't we can we can find them even more we can get some more money out of this and um they're ignoring the spirit of it all and uh, they'll be punished too but it is it is a little reprimand i don't want to make too much of this but to academics who are looking at you know picking apart the little bits of things without noticing the spirit of it yeah absolutely yeah yeah, and uh, it's um, this also ties into the one of the main themes of the previous sphere about aligning humanity and and institutions to divine truth. 
True. So um, yeah, so that's that is the ending of Foketos. We have any yeah. The, so like at the end, like uh, any practical takeaways from Venus for the listeners, like something <laughs> useful for them in their in their um, kind of normal daily life now. Well, think about, you know, love, love sort of um, flirts or, or woos or something back, from back to front and all around and circles around so that so that if. Oh, this is this is amazing. If you are if you are interacting with love. It's, you're not being like the like, like the um, pagan love, which hits you, I want you, I want to grab you, you're something I, you know, I, I'm, I am impelled to take. Instead, you, you, you dance around from back to front to back to front and see the whole person and, and, and welcome, and, and then you merge with the person. For goodness sake, conjoin with somebody else. Um, you and I are conjoining right now and, and, and bringing things together. And, and this is, this is, we're all, this is Venusian um, paradisal love, and so, mm-hmm. so yeah. What could be more? What can be more of a message than that? Um, no opposite. No, you don't oppose. Um, and, and and so, so remember that 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 love is is penetration, and don't make it into a dirty joke. But love is penetration. Here's here's something from Lewis Hyde, H Y D E. You ever hear of him? He wrote a book called. The gift, mm-hmm. um, which is all about giving as as act of erot- the erotic the erotic giving he calls it, and he defines erotic as the principle of attraction, union, involvement, which binds together. It's attraction, union, involvement, and that's and that's what you know. He doesn't say merge. He doesn't say penetration. Mm-hmm. But that's what's happening in these cantos. So that's, that, that, you know, that, that's Dante's definition of true love for us. Uh, and then you say, so where do we go from here? We've got, we've learned everything there is to know. Well, there's lots more to come. Yeah, that's for sure. I mean, this is, um, so we, we're now just through the, the warm up or the preparation for the real, uh, real paradiso. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So, um, from, from my list there, I had, um, for us a takeaway it's the it's kind of implicit more but like there's something about how the pilgrim relates to his environment and to the souls that is also shaping how they relate back to him so for me there's something here about self-management of your own soul your own inner spirit your own inner life like how you manage this will shape reality and your relationships and also your perception of the world so it's just like a tremendous potential in being conscious of this and that you can actually like your own agency in in this form of, of awareness and management that um that can really transform your life as long as you keep one your, your eye on, bay, on your bad treat shape yes on the sun exactly because <laughs> if you go on your own you're going to be in a dark wood very true where all the, the right path is lost there is a right path you see exactly yeah well well, that's another for sure, like a, a like an assistance from Dante. Like you have to understand and know where to aim, because it's, yeah. most aims are are off target. <laughs> there is, it's hard to find like the the art of of aiming that's right. right. So um, Dante is Dante is not sentimental. He's not post romantic. Yeah. Period. Yeah. He's not most 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 aims are wrong. Most yeah. look, where are most people? 
after they die. Most of them are, are in the vestibule, have no worth at all. Yeah, no true. worth at all, because they never made a choice, because they just never bothered. And uh, <laughs> we, could, we couldn't dare say that today. Yeah. Well, but it's, be nice. Let's not offend people. You know? Yeah. No, Dante's not afraid to. But it's a it's an argument that's worth entertaining and and deliberate for a bit, like when you're reading Dante. So um, yeah. So and the other thing I had was um, the whole idea here of coming to the limits and the boundaries of the human scale and like the human human affairs here, and then moving like beyond that into the eternal and timeless realms is something to to ponder with venus that this the nature of of the sphere now is is starting to become quite different and then this is also something, like you can think about this in your own life as well that you can you can try to to not play with but you can try to become more aware of this uh, of of this boundary this uh, this limit and also that you can increasingly or gradually incrementally try to to move beyond it and learn things ah yeah you know the whole point is that it's a journey. Yeah. <laughs> Unlike St. Paul, that it was a, a moment of, a, of enlightenment. But that doesn't happen often. It's, you've got to go through this journey, and, and it's painful. And then it's increasingly joyful once you get up into the heavens. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, okay. So uh, I think that's... We covered the whole whole journey through Venus then with uh, the three souls and also so many of these topics. Um, maybe at the end we could just say a little bit about the Venus. We, we touched on this, uh, but also like its its place within the the bigger picture of Paradiso as well. Well, you've done. You've, yes, you've said. You know, this is. We will discover in a minute that that you know the sun, this, the, the the shadow of the sun. In, in, the shadow of the earth encompasses um, the first three spheres. Mm. So that we, you know, there's sort of, and then after this, I mean, because the sun is very odd because that's both standing for God and yet it's also just one more stage along the the, the, the journey. It's not the end, mm. And, mm. and that's that's something to ponder in a way too next time. But uh, I think there was, I think there was a um, there was a, a different kind of dancing. Mm. Here, on the dance on the on Mercury, um, and and I think, I think that if we really went into the Italian very carefully, we would find that the language is 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 more um, ethereal, more joyful in a sense. Yeah. Then it makes Mercury feel a little bit more, a little bit heavier. Yeah. It was heavy. You get this long whole canto with one person speaking. You know, yes. that's heavy. And it's all about this. laws and institutions and structures yeah. and <laughs> and um, yeah, how the, these things. But I mean, this Dante is also then giving us suggestions of how to not only change and transform yourself, but if if the culture goes astray, as in his days, uh, he gives us some ideas of how to rectify it with also then realigning institutions and and the culture to the heavenly maybe one last thing about venus like the first two spheres are i think you can look at those more isolated and get like quite a full understanding of what it's about i think venus is the the first one here where you have you have to see it a little bit in connection with what came before and what comes after to see more of it like this it has more of this transitional uh, up towards the more angelic and and leaving the earthly behind and the final step of the preparation for 
the full blazing sun uh, with the whole foundation that has been laid now in the first three cantos. And this little idea of moving beyond it. Yeah, well, I mean, poetically, uh, uh, you know, just just for the, um, the the dynamics of the of a poem, he's he's got somehow to keep pushing the action forward, and yet mm. for varying it at each stage, and at each canto, and at each part of the canto. So that's you know, if you start thinking like that, this just is an overwhelmingly sophisticated, powerful, complex poem as a poem. Mm. And so, yeah. so where do we go from here? You see, and how does yeah. it, and, and how to make the next thing? And uh, well, <laughs> see, what we get is a break between cantos <sighs> to take a breath. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. So, and that might be needed because the sun is incredibly powerful and and bright <laughs> in its yes, and and big. It's intense and it's like four and a half cantos, I think. So. Uh, um, yeah, so but I think that's a great place to uh, to end this episode about Venus and also then the first three three spheres. Um, yep. Yeah, so um, so just thanks everybody f- so much for listening and uh, thanks so much to our recurring guest and co-host today, Professor Robert Louis Abrahamson. If you have any thoughts or comments on the topics of today or just in general, just please write to us at dantesparadiso at substack.com. That is dantesparadiso at substack.com. So thanks much, everybody, and we'll be back soon with another episode. See you then.